The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. Good morning, Fountain of Life. It is good to see you. It's good to be with you physically or at least in this moment as you're watching um, over the internet. We miss you. We love you. And we're glad to spend this time together. Our text uh, this morning is 1 John chapter 5, so we're continuing our study through 1 John. If you want to open your Bibles, turn there to 1 John chapter 5. As we've seen over and again, 1 John is about assurance. The apostle writes so that Christians can know that they know, have confidence that they truly know the real God and belong to him. So we're going to be looking again at 1 John chapter 5. We'll be in verses 6 to 12. So that's 1 John chapter 5. Verses 6 to 12. Let's hear the word of the Lord together. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar. Because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. This is the word of God. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the very testimony that you have given, your witness as to what is true And we pray, Lord, that you give us open ears, open eyes, soft hearts to hear your testimony and respond accordingly. God, we need the sure foundation of your word and a true knowledge of your son, the Lord Jesus. And so we pray that you would build that up in us uh, as we consider your word together. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't know about you, but one frustration for me over the last several months is not knowing who or what to trust when it comes to understanding some pretty important issues of our times. Can any of you relate to that? There's these critical issues happening all around us, and the more critical the issue, the more necessary it is to have a trustworthy testimony regarding the nature of that issue. These are important things, and yet, at least I feel like, I've found, and maybe some of you as well, so often testimonies aren't seeming to be trustworthy. It's hard to know what to believe. And so we realize the more critical the issue, the more necessary it is to have a trustworthy testimony. And that just sets us up to raise our eyes today and to lift our hearts today to really what is quite simply the most critical issue the issue where we need the most trustworthy testimony. And the issue is this. Who is Jesus? 
Who is Jesus? Far more essential than whatever you may believe about any of these current events, as important as they are, is what you believe about Jesus. These current events certainly affect our lives now and in the future, but what we believe about Jesus transforms our lives now and forever, forever. So what do you believe about Jesus? What does that mean for your life and your future? And why do you believe that? What testimony do you trust? It's so important because from the very moment Jesus began his ministry, there's scads of theories about who he is. Even during his time, people would say, oh, he's a prophet, or he's this, or he's that. And Jesus would say to his disciples, he would ask this question, okay, but who do you say that I am? It's the same for us today. What do you believe about Jesus and whose testimony are you listening to when it comes to who Jesus is? Maybe you still have remnants of uh, the testimony you heard from your professor at your religion class in junior college. Maybe it's something you saw on the History Channel. Whose testimony can you trust about who Jesus is? So we're continuing our study through 1 John. John wrote, the Apostle John wrote this to this group of churches that he loves about the issue of assurance, how you can know you really know God. And amazingly, in this text, John says, God has given testimony. God himself has testified about who Jesus is. And you see that this is the main theme of this passage. It's, what, six verses? Eight times you get the word testimony or testify. So it's repeated over and again, and the idea is that God has testified about who Jesus is. God himself has spoken as to what we ought to believe the truth is regarding Jesus Christ. It's very serious. This word testify means to give evidence or to bear a record or to have an honest report or to bear witness. It's the idea that someone has seen and knows the truth and is communicating that clearly and honestly. God has taken the stand, John says, and given witness to the world as to who Jesus is. So there's really just two, th- two main things I want to see with you this morning as we look at this text. Number one is God's threefold testimony. God has given a threefold testimony regarding who Jesus is. We want to unpack that. And the second thing we want to see is the implications of what we do with God's testimony. They're massive. It's everything. So that's what we're considering today. God's threefold testimony regarding who Jesus is and the implications of what we do with his testimony. So number one, God's testimony. We remember that John's churches here were dealing with a crisis of schism, right, involving false teachers, There was a group within the church filling the name of Jesus with new meaning. They didn't say, oh, we hate Jesus. They said, oh, but we just need to change what we believe about Jesus. So they were giving, as John would say, a false testimony regarding Jesus. And so John wants to draw his churches to the true testimony, what God said about Christ. And it's amazing that John puts it like this, right, that God would give testimony. You know, it's one thing to have an opinion. You and I, well, we have, there's a lot of things to have opinions about right now, right? We could go on and on, and we have. 
um, our opinions. It's another thing to bring in a, a proven expert in a field or study, somebody who really knows. But even those, as we've learned, don't always agree. But wow, it would, be, it would be an entirely different thing, wouldn't it, to bring in God to testify? God, the one who knows everything. The one who cannot lie and has no reason to lie. God testifies, John says, and he does this in three main ways. Three main ways God testifies. First of all, let's just think, why three? As I was working through this passage, um, I realized you could make a long list of the way God has testified. You wouldn't need to just pick three. Why three? Well, one reason is in the Torah, you read uh, the Jewish law, if you really want to establish a testimony or a witness in a courtroom, you've got to have two to three witnesses, at least two to three. And those two to three witnesses need to agree. So the idea that it's three witnesses mean God has done everything to make the testimony sure. It's not just two, it's three. Three witnesses that agree this is true. God's, in a way, following his own law as he testifies to who Jesus is. So he does it in three ways. And did you catch what the three ways are? The water, the blood, and the spirit. So this part is clear enough. God's given a three-part testimony as to who Jesus is. The water, the blood, and the spirit. We see this, 1 John chapter 5, verse 7. There are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. And these agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. This is the testimony of God that he has given, that he is born concerning his son. So did you see that? God is testifying through the water, the blood, and the spirit. Clear enough? How many of you are thinking, what on earth does that mean? Okay, we see that God is testifying about Jesus through the water and the blood and the spirit. Okay, and now what? What does that mean? Well, I think obviously for John's original audience, he knows them, they know him, they've heard him teach. He doesn't, he doesn't see the need to unpack it here, does he? He's just, I think he's assuming that they know what he means. And we can assume that as well. But for us, a little bit, some distance between us and this church, we, we aren't immediately clear on what water and blood and spirit refer to. But there are wonderful clues we have that, after studying, I think, do make it obvious as to what John is talking about. One clue is John wrote, an entire gospel about Jesus' life, the gospel of John. And if you want to unpack the word testimony or testify in that gospel, I encourage you to do it. You'll see lots of good information there. Also, uh, you start to read the gospels about the water and the blood. I think, I think you'll end up at the same place as we will this morning. So we, also, we have the clue from the gospel of John. We also have another clue that John says the water, the blood, and the spirit, they agree. He said that in verse 7. There are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood. These agree. So they're, they're saying the same thing. They're true and honest witnesses. So with that in mind, let's try to unpack these together. Listen to the testimony God has given regarding Jesus in that Jesus came by water. What do you think that is? 
Well, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? These eyewitness testimonies to Jesus' life. You'll notice at the beginning of his ministry, each Gospel records this fundamental, profound event in Jesus' life that involves water. I'm sure you can think of it. What is it? It's Jesus' baptism. Highlighted by all four Gospels in different ways. Uh, let's remember what baptism was, right? John the Baptist um, was calling Israel to repentance. And amazingly, he was calling religious Jews to take the sign that a Gentile would take when a Gentile converted. Water baptism was a, an admission that you were deep and dark in sin and you were turning your life to God's mercy. And so it was an amazing thing for John to demand Jews to be baptized, but they came. They came to get baptized, to repent of their sin and trust to God's mercy. And so each gospel shows us that Jesus, as he begins his ministry, comes shockingly to John and really to any reader, not to do baptizing in that moment, but to what? To be baptized. Why would Jesus, we really should be shocked by this, why would Jesus be baptized? Does he need to repent? Is he lost in his sin? No, of course not. So with that in mind, as we think of the baptism, I want you to remember what happened. I'll give you one example here from the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 3, 16 to 17. When Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, so gently, peacefully, the God's presence coming, to rest on him. And here's the point, especially for us right now. And behold, a voice from heaven said, what did the voice say? This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. You can't get more explicit when it comes to God testifying as to who Jesus is. It's in front of a crowd, and it's in the context of baptism. So it's as if God himself wants everybody to know Jesus isn't getting baptized because he needs it. Who is Jesus according to God the Father? He's the beloved son with whom he is well pleased. The father is infinitely delighted in his eternal son. And he is so pleased with Jesus' life. You don't need to be baptized. You're the baptizer, ultimately. This is my son, and yet this is his son who came by water. What I want to ask you is, why did Jesus get baptized if he didn't need to? Why? Because God's Son has come to walk in our shoes. He's come to represent us. He's come to do what we couldn't do, to obey every law, to live a life of perfect character and love and worship, to carry the burden we couldn't carry, to accomplish what we could not accomplish, he's representing us here. The Son of God came 
to walk in our shoes, to take our place. That's the testimony of the water. God has said, this is my son who came for you. What about the testimony of the blood? Now, I hope that's fairly obvious to anyone who at least has been a part of this church for longer than 30 seconds. What did Jesus do for you? Back to the Gospels. Uh, it's an amazing autobiography that spends a majority of its time on someone's death. That would be strange, actually. And yet, what, do each gospel, what does each gospel do, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What seems to be the highlight of it all? His death. Jesus is the one who came by blood. Even in the letter of 1 John, first, uh, the, the, the apostle is arguing for this. Those who left his churches seemed to deny that Jesus came by blood. Remember what John said. Look at 1 John 1, verses 7 to 9. 1 John 1, verses 7 to 9. John says, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And what? The blood of Jesus, who? His son. Cleanses us from all sin. That's good news. Verse 8, if we claim we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. The truth is not in us. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus came by blood. This means everything for who he is. Um, imagine uh, you're over at my house and it starts to burn down. We're in the, we're in the field. And you look at me and you say, uh, I'm going to show you how much I love you. And you run into the house and you die burning in the house. I would say, I wish you had loved me in a different way. <laughs> I would say, that didn't affect anything. That was a waste. That was a tragedy. Let's redo the scenario. Imagine my house is burning down. We're in the field. And my kid's still in the house. And you say, this is how much I love you. And you run into the house and you save my kid, but at the cost of your own life. In both cases, you die. In both cases, you die for love, but only in one case. Was it appropriate? Was it effectual? Did it do anything? A lot of people want to say that Jesus is a good teacher and that he died on a cross as an example of love. But if Jesus was just a human who died on the cross as an example of love, then he's like the fool who ran into the burning house to show his love while not accomplishing anything. How is it love? But if he's the son of God, that means he's dying on the cross for a reason. He's the one, as the divine son who took on flesh to walk in our shoes, who can die on the cross for my sins for your sins. Did you see what John said? It's because of the blood that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's an amazing thing. How can a judge be just to forgive? 
If we went to a courtroom uh, for the trial of a, of a murder case, and it was obvious that the, um, the murderer was in fact guilty, and the judge said, you know what, I'm feeling merciful today, I forgive you, take off, you're free. There should be a protest to that. What would we say? We want justice. You cannot set him free. How can a holy God set me free and forgive me of all my sins? There's only one way. He can be just and forgiving. He poured out his wrath for all my sins and are your sins on Jesus. And Jesus could do that because of who he is. The promised son of God. So Jesus came by blood. Did God testify to who his son was on the cross? You know, the baptism, we get this verbal, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. In the moment of the cross, you don't get that in exactly the same way, do you? But what do you get? We could spend a long time on this. I'll just bring up some highlights. Read to the end of Matthew. What happened to the sky while Jesus was on the cross, middle of the day? Black. What happened to the ground when Jesus died? Earthquakes. What happened to the veil? Remember that humongous, thick fabric that hung between sinners unworthy and God's presence in the Holy of Holies? What happened to the veil as Jesus died? Torn in two from top to bottom. What was God saying? What was he saying? Moreover, what happened three days later? Jesus rose from the dead. Paul says this in Romans 1 verse 4. Jesus was declared to be who? The Son of God in power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Do you hear God's testimony? Read John 19. Every little detail of Jesus' cross, whether it's soldiers gambling for his clothes or what Jesus is drinking or not. Do you know the little phrase that goes with it? The scripture was fulfilled. The scripture was fulfilled. The scripture was fulfilled. God's telling you a story with all of these things. And what is he saying? This is my son who came to save you. Do you see the two witnesses so far? The water. This is my beloved son who came to walk in your shoes. Do you see the second witness? Do you hear it? The blood. This is my beloved son who died on a cross, not by some accident or, by, or for his own failure, but for you as a substitute for your sins. That takes us to the third aspect of God's testimony. The testimony of the person of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is truth, God, John says, and testifies to the truth. And so we consider the record of the Spirit. Well, do you know the, the Holy Spirit wrote an entire book about who Jesus is? I'm sure you're probably aware of this. What's the book he wrote? The Bible. Inspired by God the Spirit. And I don't know about you, but I know what the main message of that is. Who's Jesus? And what has he done? The Spirit testifies 
to who Jesus is. But we can say more than that. I want to remind you of something Jesus said in the Gospel of John, chapter 16. Look at John 16, 13 to 15. Jesus talks about here the Holy Spirit and what he will do for God's people. John 16, 13. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will, what will he do? He will guide you into all truth. That's what the Spirit does. He guides God's people to the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority. Whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. Look at this next phrase, verse 14. He, the Holy Spirit, will do what? He will glorify me, Jesus says. For he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Spirit teaches God's people his truth. And the highlight of that truth is the glory of who Jesus is. Then you think of what John is saying here, 1 John 5, verse 10. He says, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Put this together. Who's this third witness to who Jesus is? The person of the Holy Spirit. And he's testified in a million ways. He's testified in the scriptures. But there's this deeper way he testifies. Where he testifies in the very hearts of Jesus' apostles and all of his people. Because whoever believes the testimony, you didn't just have the facts of Jesus come into your eardrums and bounce in your brain, but something happened to you. Some of you who are adult converts maybe know this more palpably. All of a sudden, the news that you'd heard and maybe you hadn't cared about or you were bored by, all of a sudden it exploded in you. And you saw the beauty of who Jesus is and how much you need him. And you desired him. And you believed the testimony from the heart. You were moved by it that Jesus is the eternal son of God who took on flesh for you, who walked in your shoes to live a perfect life you couldn't live, who died on the cross for you and for your sins and who rose from the dead and is now your treasure and your Lord. I mean, how many of you right now say, the best thing to me is Jesus and what he's done? Just, even if I lose it all, give me Jesus. The reason you believe that is because the Spirit testified to your soul and you believed his testimony the inward testimony of the Holy Spirit the water the blood the spirit they agree don't they this is God's testimony who's Jesus he's the eternal son of God who came to be truly human to live a perfect life, die on the cross, rise from the dead, and so save all his people.
That's God's testimony. That is God's testimony regarding who Jesus is. Now let's think about the implications of what we do with God's testimony. John wants us to think about this. You see in verse 9, 1 John 5, verse 9. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. John wants us to think, I think, about how we receive the testimony of other humans easily enough. Um, I was pondering this a little bit. Have you ever wondered how you know it's your birthday? How do you know? It's not like you were quite ready to record it yourself, you know. How do you know it's your birthday? Some people told you. And maybe it's written on a piece of paper. You believe that readily enough, yeah? Okay. How do you find a good mechanic? I asked some advice from somebody who knows this. I have a friend who knows things like this, and he told me a good mechanic. I believe the testimony. It, it worked out pretty good. In fact, think about it. Ask yourself, how many things I believe do I believe because I thoroughly investigated personally the details of each and every aspect of whatever it is? Or I believe what some people I trust told me. That's especially true for the season we're in right now. You've read article after article from professional after professional. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you personally aren't an expert on every one of these issues. You're believing a testimony. We're doing our best, right? We're doing our best. But let's admit, sometimes the testimonies we believe comes around it. It wasn't that trustworthy. It wasn't that true. But again, whose testimony is this? This is God's testimony. God has communicated himself to us. And so the core issue, always for the Christian life, it's not really do you believe in God. Anybody can pull that off. James says the demons believe in God. You don't get bonus points for that. The issue for the Christian life is, do you believe God? Do you believe what God has said? Romans 4.3, Paul says this explicitly. What does the scripture said? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. This is what faith is. It's to believe God's word from the mind and the heart as if it is reality. And God has said, Jesus is my beloved son who came to give eternal life. Believe it. That's the first thing. Believe it, how we respond to him. John wants to press this issue anymore, even, even more. Um, I'll ask you this. Have you ever had someone call you a liar before? Have you ever had someone call you a liar? I think that's one of the, I think that's one of the dirtiest things we could ever believe about someone else. I mean, sometimes it's true. I'm not saying that. 
But to be a liar is like, it's going really low. And we know this from scripture. Who's the father of lies? Satan, right? I mean, I'll mess up, I'll make mistakes, but if you can't trust me, if, if I'm fundamentally untrustworthy, how do we move forward in anything? Lying is the worst. And yet, even as we say that, you know, sheep is admission, how many of you have lied? Me too. Why did you lie when you lied? I'm pretty sure we lie out of weakness. We lie out of weakness. I was trying to cover something when I lied. I was trying to doctor up something when I lied, make it a little better than it was. I was trying to gain something I didn't have when I lied. All of that is this pathetic, sneaky weakness. With that in mind, I want you to think about what John says here in verse 10. 1 John 5, verse 10, whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. God has said, this is my son that I have sent for you. I've sent the best I could possibly send, my beloved son, and he's done the ultimate. He's done everything for you. Repent, trust in him, believe in him, eternal life, fellowship with me. Believe, look, I've given everything. I've given every testimony. And oh, can you imagine looking at God and saying, I don't think so. I don't think that's who Jesus is. I don't think that's what he's done. I don't think I need this. And we're calling God a liar. You're a fraud. You're weak, pathetic, and I don't need you. That's epic, isn't it? That's really sober. That's why John then says in verse 12, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Because when we don't have the Son of God, it's because we've denied God's testimony. And so we've said something about God. You're not good. You're not trustworthy. I don't need what you've done for salvation. I don't find Jesus valuable. And so we're left, cut off from fellowship with him, and our sins are on our own head. We don't have life. Massive implications. But, but, verse 10, whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Verse 11, this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. I love this. This is a testimony. It doesn't say that God will give us eternal life. It says God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. If we unpack the past tense there, I think there's a few echoes of it. Number one, this was his intention from eternity past. He has, he has given you eternal life in his intention for all of his people. He gave eternal life when he sent his son. God so loved the world, he 
gave his son. But moreover, when you believed, he gave you eternal life. Because right now you have his son. That testimony is in you. The word of God is implanted in you. It's already changing you. You're already experiencing it. You fellowship with him. Uh, All these assurances John has given, right? Love for one another. Love for God is shown in obeying his commands. A confession of our sin. A refuge in who Jesus is and what he's done. It's there. It's real. He has given you eternal life. Think of these great blessings that come from receiving God's testimony. Forgiveness of every sin and counted perfectly righteous. Can you dwell on that for a moment? Is that a nice thing? Take, take one second just to dig up the skeleton that's in the closet and you're like, ooh, I hope he forgives me for that one. Yes. Jesus took it on the cross. Even the future sins. He took it on the cross. You're forgiven. You're counted righteous. Or how about fellowship? John says we have fellowship with God and one another. We know him. Oh, what would we do right now without a relationship with God as our father, our rock, our refuge, our sovereign king? We have it now, don't we? We have him. We have eternal life. We have the power to be continually changed to look like Jesus. We know all things work together for the good, for those who love God. And even in the darkness, he's working to accomplish his purposes in us. And of course, we have the promise of an unbelievably incredible future with him. Uh, How many of you are worried about what life will be like in six months? How many are worried about what life will be like in this country in five years? How many are worried about what life will be like in 20 years? How many of you are worried about what life will be like for you in 200 years? 2,000 years. 2 million years. Keep rocking. Because guess what's coming? All the fruits of eternal life. Our present times are tyrannical and grabbing our, our minds and our emotions, aren't they? We have to be engaged, and we have to grieve, and we have to respond. I'm not saying that we don't do those things. But don't let the tyranny of right now let you forget this little thing called forever. (laughs) Forever. These light and momentary afflictions are going to take us into eternal glory. You have in Christ eternal life because you believe the testimony. Who is Jesus? God has testified. He's his eternal son who truly became human to walk the life we, we couldn't live. He lived a perfect life, dying on a cross in our places, our substitute for our sins. Rise from the dead, he reigns, he's gonna return. That's who Jesus is. That's God's testimony. Believe it, testify to your heart. Also testify to your world. You know what the Greek root is for testimony or testify here? Uh, The Greek root leads to our English word martyr. In Christian history, the word testify became synonymous with died for testifying. (laughs) Became the same word, which just reminds you, what's our call as we believe the testimony? Testify. Testify. Tell others what God has told you. 
about who Jesus is. Tell others about this testimony that is in you by the Spirit, your love for Jesus, your love for the gospel. Testify. And then one last thing we're going to do together this morning. We're going to testify together as we take the Lord's Supper. Paul says that when we eat the bread, which represents his body, and drink the wine or the juice, which represents his blood, Paul says we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We're proclaiming it to one another that this is our life. This is our identity, who Jesus is and what he's done. So friends, hear God's testimony, believe it, and know that in Christ you have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the testimony that you have given, that you have sent your very son. That's who Jesus is. Oh, infinitely more than a good teacher, though he was the best teacher. Infinitely more than an example of love, though he is the greatest example of love. He is the Savior and the King who did what we could not do. He's the Son of God who came for us. And Lord, I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, those who already know and trust Christ would grow in their estimation of him, grow in their encouragement of who he is, and that those who do not know him today would be drawn to consider your very testimony that Jesus is Savior, Lord, and King, and they would trust themselves to him even now. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.